Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampin. And my guest today is one of my good brothers. He's also a great father. And since we celebrate Father's Day this week, I definitely had to get him on. Mr. Darius Williams, thank you for joining me. Man, thank you for having me, Mr. Lampin. How you doing? Man, I'm doing good, bro. How about you? Good, good, good. No complaints here. Yeah, man. Look, first of all, happy early Father's Day to you. Man, same to you, good brother. Like I say, man, your work is not unseen and continue to do the good work and happy Father's Day, early Father's Day to all the other brothers out there that don't receive the credit or they just do. You, you know, okay. We're gonna look, we're gonna start right there. Yes, so sir. you you feel like men do not get their just due. Yes, because society over the years has perpetuated this image among men in general that, you know, men men are not good leaders, men are not good providers. And when you constantly feed this and condition people to think like that, they pull us all into one bucket. They basically put the father that go to work every day, that pick his kids up, that help them with homework, that pay child support. They'll call a the father paying child support a deadbeat. It's like, how's he a deadbeat? And he paying you every month to put a piece of bread or some clothes on the back of the child that you and him share together. So that's been something that's been programmed, especially in the Western world of men in general and especially black men. Hmm. So, okay, if he, okay, how would you describe a father who's not active in his child's life, but he does pay child support? So, again, sometimes a father does not like paying, like I'm a hands-on dad. i give you a prime example. My son, mother, they try to use the fact that, oh, I was in prison. I was nothing but a street drug dealer. I was just out there. I would never be a good provider. So I had to fight through the courts just to have the relationship that I have today with my son. Some men don't, they lose the fight because no matter what they do, it seems like it's not enough. So I don't judge a father that is not hands-on because everybody's circumstances is different. Some mothers push the men away. Some mothers keep the men away. So if you don't have a fight to go through the court, that's why I tell a lot of men, man, don't argue with her. Just go to court. You want visitation? Do know when you get visitation, you will be kicking out some money. So if you one that you don't really want to kick out the money, then you'll just be like, well, I guess I ain't going to see my child. And then you'll play the victim role instead of you know what I'm saying? Taking that foot forward and fighting for something that you stand on and that you believe in. That's what I did. How would you be you been in that you've been in the child support system? How yes, would you sir. how would you describe it personally? Are we open mic? <laughs> I just want to know because whoever listening to this, I'm telling you, it's is it it could be vulgar. Because you touching a real sensitive spot, but you know, I can be clean with it. I mean, it's man, a very look, say, look, bro, say what's on your heart, whatever your okay. heart telling you to say, bro. <laughs> That's just some motherfucking bullshit. 
<laughs> and I'll tell you why. So basically, when you go in the family court, the father, I do even better. I'll give you my scenario. So when I went to court, I had to go to court to get visitation. So when I got visitation, child support was established. So what Maryland does is they just combine incomes. And because the child is usually with the mother, which makes her the custodial parent, then you just pay money and then you just get set visitation, set holidays, like all your time with your child is, is on a schedule. So a lot of times, like I said, a lot of fathers are not willing to go through that long fight, that journey to see and be with their child the way that I did. I had to go through a lot just to have a relationship that I had with my son. But that was important to me because when I had my son, that's when being a father became important to me. Before that, I was just here because it, it was just me. And I just feel like being a good father, a good parent, because I got two daughters as well. So for them, I have to show them an example of what they should be interested in looking at. So that's why I feel like as men, our first thing need to be, we need to be leaders. We have to lead by example. So we can't say and not do. So that was why for me being a father is, so important is is one of my greatest accomplishments i would say is just the kind of father that i am the kind of wisdom i give my kids the kind of example i give my kids the kind of love i give my kids as i say it's no handbook on how to be a great father a perfect father it's like every situation is different and you and you deal with it accordingly so that's why i say I wouldn't say like this person a better father than that person because he's not hands on with his kids because sometimes it's just the situation is different. I mean, what do you say to a man that you had a baby in Maryland and she moved to California? It's like you can't afford to move to California. So you got to deal with what you get accordingly because the courts with this child support system and this family court. They never side with the father. They always side with the mother. The mother could be unemployed, living at home, don't have anything going, and the father have everything. Because one of the most important things I told people is that when you get put on child support, the reason the money is set at a certain rate is because you have employment. So that's how I'd be like, how can a woman call a guy that's paying child support a deadbeat? He got to have a job in order to be put on child support by the state laws in which the way that they do it. So the whole system is just, it's a terrible system. It's an unjust system. And it just needs to be a better way for a better result to come about because some men, they just lose it. Some men just be like, man, screw this. I ain't going to do nothing. Or some men are just get the money and be like, leave me alone. And it's like, I wasn't that kind of person. I just dealt with the fight. I battled through. And, you know, at the end of the day, man, God going to bless your heart. When your heart got good intention, that's where your blessings going to come from. Did you ever consider giving up that, that child support battle? Yes. Yes, big guy. I did. But for me, I never wanted my son 
see, when I got into the streets, I kind of got in the streets blind. It was like, yeah, I was making money. Yeah, I had girls. Yeah, I was doing my thing, but I ain't understand laws. I ain't understand street code. I ain't, it was a lot of things I didn't understand, so I was out there blind. So I used to tell my son when he was young, like, look, whatever avenue you want to go down, i give you the wisdom on it. But at the end of the day, this is your life. I'm just going to help give you direction in your life. I don't want to run your life. I just want to help you give direction. And lucky for me, my son was an athlete, a great student, and he listened. And like I said, his blessings came along with that. So for me, I couldn't let my son be out in this world in these streets, just blind, just walking around with no clue of what he's doing or what he's getting into. But I did a lot of times, big fella, think about just be like, man, whatever, man, I'm I'm gonna do me. But I, you know, it just wasn't in my spirit to do that. Yeah, when you you never made no secret, like unfortunately, you know, being in the streets, you got incarcerated. Was your yeah. your son was born when that happened, right? So. My son was so so actually when my son was born, I was out on what was called an appeal bond. I was appealing my sentence. I was given a 27 year sentence and I was appealing it. So in the midst of me getting out, that's when I met his mom. So when I went back in for my court date, my son was like eight months old. And then they gave me back the time that I was trying to get them to take back. And so when I was released, again, my son was about to turn five. So it was like I was starting all over again. And believe it or not, I was more fearful of how my son would feel about me than I was being in prison. Because I just felt like I was a complete stranger to him. And, you know, guys and they used to be like, man, D wants to son know you and he be around you, man. He going to love you. And that was the wisdom that the brothers in prison gave me. And I just took that. And I've been going forward ever since. And like I said, that that's my guy. Like we locked in at the hip. So you, so you miss, so you, so safe, so safe to say you miss like the first five years of his life. Yeah, I saw him. His mom bought him to me. He was about nine ten months. And he started walking, and that hurt me so much. I told her, "Man, don't bring him back up here." Don't. I couldn't because, you know, when you're in that environment, you 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 can't let a lot of outside weaknesses fog you up from what you got to deal with in there. And it was just too much for me to try to I was already beating myself up for the fact that I'm in here. I'm going to be in here a long time. So I just chose to tell her, man, don't come up here no more. Like, just, man, take him. And I just got to do this time, man. I see you when I get out. And that's how I did the rest of my time with that. Was because they wasn't coming to see you, but you did actually get to see your son. No, she used to come. She used to come see me, but that was a lot. You know, it was like when she used to first come see me, he was kind of still in the car seat. Like, but once he kind of started walking, it was like, it just hit me in a way. And I just really couldn't handle that. And then mentally, I wasn't as strong spiritually as I later got to where I was able to balance all that out. So for me, I just thought it was best, man. I don't don't come up here no more. 
Like, just write me letters, send me pictures. I can deal with it better like that. Did, did it ever, did it ever, did you, did it, I kind of get the sense, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you did not want to develop a relationship with him while you was in jail. Is that correct, or? It, 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 yes and no, because, again, when my son was born, I was kind of like, I was kind of still a street dude, but I was a street dude that was a dad. So it was kind of like, I was kind of straddling the fence. You know, the Bible say you can't serve two masters. So it was like, on one sense, I still kind of wanted to be street, but on the other sense, it was like, man, I, I really can't be the father I think I need to be. So it was just, it was just, it was just too much for me. And I wasn't mature enough to handle it the right way. So the easiest way for me to do when you immature is to run from it. So that's when I was like, don't bring them up here. No. I was like, I seen enough, like, just, just send me the photos. Okay. Did that help? Um, like, did that help? Knowing you had a son that you really wanted to be with, did that help you, like, do your time and make sure you never was going to go back to that situation? Yes. I told my son, I said, man, you changed my life. The day I held you, the day you was born and I held you in the hospital, and I always say, I don't know what it was that came over me. I said, man, I don't want to be the street dude no more. But I was so deep in it, I couldn't just, just walk right away from it because my life was revolved around it. But my heart was telling me, I don't, I don't want to do this no more. I, I, I want to be here for him. And I tell him to this day, like, man, you changed my life. Like, because before you... Man, I could have died at 20. You know, you remember Big Homie? I got shot. I was shot and paralyzed at 20. So I was just out there. So once I had him, that's when I was like, okay, I really got something to live for now. And it just changed my whole perspective on life. And, and you know what I'm saying? I thank God for him and my two daughters. It's like, it's like my babies, they, they never seen that street dude. And I'm glad... They haven't. All they ever know is dad. When yeah. they hear my friends talk about how I used to be, they kind of cut up at me. I'd be like, yeah, dad used to be a little bad, but that ain't him no more. Yeah. What? what mm. Just a thought, man. Just wow. It's, it's That's why I say it's tough being, it's tough trying to, it's like it's like you can't fully raise your kids the way you want to because your kids have to be around you to get your influence. It's like it's only so much you can give them from a, behind a glass or distance. Yeah. But when they in your presence, it's like your energy and your influence rubs off on them. Like people used to try to tell me with my son, ah, oh, man, you just a weekend dad. I'm just like, OK, so every weekend I got him, he going to get a little bit of me. Each weekend, and everybody always say when they meet my son, they're like, "Man, did he just like you? <laughs> cool with everybody. Everybody love to be around him. He the life of the party. You know me, big guy. My son the same way. He just um, light skin. <laughs> That's the only difference. <laughs> he just light skin. He's exactly like me. He's very respectful. You know, when I used to go to his games, his coaches would be like, man, it's a pleasure to coach your son. All the teachers in high school was like, man, I love your son. He's very respectful. And I was like, I always told him, man, I'm going to make you better than me if you listen. Hmm. I got to back up to something because this is a really important yes, question. Sir. 
Yes. Do you think? Do you think had you not locked got locked up, do you think you could have just left the streets on your own? No, that was being incarcerated. As wild as it sounds, was probably one of the best things I've ever done because I could honestly say the way the street was and the money I was getting, I wasn't gonna make. It. I I I even would have done something foolish and would have been locked up for life. Or I would have been in a box, but yeah, just me walking away from it. I wasn't mature enough then. I was caught up in the allure, the money, cars, just the the street fame. You know, I, I just was caught up with that image. I really wasn't a street guy. I wasn't raised like that. I was raised with two great parents, two two working parents. You know, I had two loving mothers. I know it sounds good, but. When my mom put me out, my best friend mom took me in. And she, like I said, she was important with my raising as well, because if she wouldn't have took me in, I would have been out on the street at 17. So mm. it was like I, I had a lot of love and support. I just didn't know how to how to take it all in and accept it and listen. And yes, I know I wouldn't have been the man I am today if I was left out on the street. So like I say, man. God works in mysterious ways, as they say, big guy. And for me, I was taken in. I was given all that time. And I always tell people, when you're incarcerated, you forced to sit down and think. It's like your whole life just revolves in your head all day because you 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 confined. It's like you trapped. It's like you trapped in a box and you forced to really think. And it's like some people do better and some people just stay stuck in it and play victim and I refuse to be like that. You one thing you mentioned like early in the conversation, like your son, he's doing great. He graduated yeah. college. Yeah. Now, looking at looking at you at your looking at him at the age you were like in your twenties, like he's twenty two, right? Looking at yourself at twenty two and him at twenty two, what's that feeling like to see him doing so well? Great, and I always tell him. Man, I'm proud of you. I tell him that. So, it, man, it's crazy how much I tell him that. But, like, man, I'm so proud of you because I always tell my son, I think, so I we always laugh because I say, athletically, you nowhere near what I was at that age. But my son's still a good athlete. Because you got to think, I played football, basketball, baseball, and I ran, and I was fast. I didn't really do track, but I was fast. It's like my son, he played basketball, but he was really a great football player. But my son's decision-making is just, man, it's just beautiful. Like he, he doesn't put himself in bad situations. He he got great friends and he listens. Like he, he actually calls and asks for, hey, dad, what you think of this? Hey, dad, what you think of that? And I always give him, Okay, you can look at it this way, you can look at it this way, and you make the choice. So his decision making is I'm so proud of him with that. And now he going, we going to different universities because he, he going to grad school. Think about that big fella. He done got a four-year <laughs> degree. He want to go another two years because he can still play football. So it's like his work ethic is way over what mine was. I just was. I just was talented and gifted as an athlete, but his work ethic, if I would have had his work ethic, 
man, there's no telling where I would have went. I just, I didn't have that same work ethic. Mm. We're going to transition to your daughters. Now, a lot of, uh, I don't, I don't know if a lot of, I don't know if enough attention gets paid to the father daughter dynamic because that's we as fathers are the first example of a man that they're going to see so i wanted you to talk more about that because you got two daughters right and as i said earlier i i always had to be the example to them of okay this is the kind of person that you should want to be interested in this is what you should look for you know i always tell my girls like you should be looking at a man that's like a leader because when he's a leader, that means he got good decision-making. And that's why I work. I be responsible. You know, I love their mom. It's like, um, I'm respectful. It's like, so you never see me as a drug addict, a drunk, uh, a lazy person, a disrespectful person. It's like, it's like when you see me, I'm always trying to be my best, especially in front of them. So like I said, I I always try to be the example of what I would like to see my daughters with that type of person. I know they're going to love who they love, but at the end of the day, at least you saw a good example. So if you choose otherwise, that's on you. You can't be like, I didn't see a good example of what a good God-fearing man looks like. Yeah, that's, man, it's my can't say that mine because when they complain oh i'm bored i bet if you bored when we youngest daughter to puerto rico i purposely rode through them poor neighborhoods i said you see this these ain't no 4500 foot square houses over here your room just as big as what they living in so you keep talking about you bored and i don't want to do this and i don't want to do that i said they would kill to be in the position that you in So I have to show them that you are truly blessed beyond beyond what you could conceive. Because over there, it's like they wondering where their next meal come from. You throw away more food than they eat. Mm. Think about that. You throw away more food than they eat. Mm. Because sometimes you take a lot of things for granted that they not afforded the opportunity to do so. I always try to keep not just my daughters. I try to keep my family humble because I'm like, listen, like everybody ain't blessed like this. It's a blessing to wake up you healthy. You know, you, you, you can provide for your family. And that's why I always tell people like, that's where your spiritual base come from. And you, 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 you always try to connect and, and, and you stay on that, on the swivel, you stay on a cord. And you just you just welcome your blessings, and that's why I told I don't complain. You know when you talk to me, big fella, I'm I'm always grateful. I'm like, oh yeah, man, thank you. Like I don't I refuse to complain because I've seen people that are so less fortunate that would dream of having and being in the position that I'm in. You know, <laughs> look, we talk we talk offline exactly. all the time. <laughs> and I tell you, and I tell you all the time, you like one of the most humble dudes that I ever met. Where does that humility come from? Actually, like I said, once I matured in prison, and a lot of the older brothers like really helped me just just connect with 
my inner self spiritually. And then I just started to humbly accept life. And that's what I tell people. It's like, you don't have to fall under no denomination. You don't have to be like, I'm Muslim, I'm Christian, I'm Buddhist. I'm like, we all got that, 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 that breath of life, that spirit within us, but you have to connect to that. And when you connect to that, it always keeps you humble. That's like my son was like, oh, I be reading Buddhist books. And he was like, man, a lot of this stuff in here is stuff that you told me. And I was like, yeah, I'm not a Buddhist, but all of it at the end of the day, full circle, it connects. It's just the denominations are what are used to divide us, to make us think that one person is more righter than the other, or one person is accepted by God than the other. And that's not true, but that's a whole nother story, but <laughs> yeah, that, that's a whole nother conversation, but, that, <laughs> but that, that's what people do. And it's, and it's one of them that you judge a person by their character, not the color of their skin, not what denomination or religion that they fall under, because that's really been used to divide us more than connected. So like I said, just getting that spiritual base in prison and that humility you know i always preach that man like humility is important i always be like stay humble stay humble thank god thank your blessings and you'll keep getting that in abundance but when you become proud and haughty god say yourself i don't like people like that mm. and one thing i always tell people god got a way of humbling you when you think you got it all, he has a way of humbling you to the point that you like, oh, my God. So that's why I always be like, man, stay humble, be appreciative and and thank God. Give give your blessings and glory to God. And that's what I do every day. We talked about fatherhood. But yes. Fatherhood is a component of family. So I'm gonna ask you, where do you where would you how would you describe the black family today? Dysfunctional. We don't even have that. Mm. That's oh, you want me to talk about that? Yeah, that's why you're here, brother. <laughs> so so the first dynamic of why the black family is dysfunctional is because at one time we had a culture. Culture for those that don't understand, it's something that you pass down through the generations. When you look at other ethnic groups, you could always see things that they do in the day that their ancestors did a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago. When you look at the black family dynamic, we are so night and day. You can just go back to the civil rights movement. That's only been a little over what? 65 years yeah, if you look like at it. if you look at it in the 60s it was it was a father it was a mother and it was family everybody had roles the the wife mother took care of the family the father he was the provider he was the spiritual base if you want to go from the christianity base it's god christ then your wife or your husband so we don't have that dynamic anymore. It's like now we got all these, these single family households. But it is bad choices. And just a lot of it is the fact that you was never really shown the example of what two responsible adults, how they supposed to function at 
we don't know how to do it. So the black family dynamic is disconnected. It's all about, well, I make more money than you, so you can't tell me what to do. And so when you've been raised up and that's all you've seen, you, you eventually become conditioned to think like that. So now all the roles are reversed. The man went from being the leader to now he the follower. So now the woman leading because she feel like, well, I make more money and I do this and I have this. And it comes to the point that the man and woman, instead of instead of being a union, they competing against one another. And the children see that. So they grow up with that same dynamic. So now a young man today, he don't look for a virtuous woman because most of our time, he's 15, 16, you know what I mean? Let's be honest. Most of these girls out here done been with about 10 dudes already. Where mm. when I came up, 15, 16, you really barely knew what that stuff was. It's like you knew what it was, but you didn't know what it was. And this, and so a lot of women now, they ideal man is the tattoos, the hairstyle, the shoes, the swag. So they've been taught to look for a totally different kind of man. They don't look for the prosperous man. They don't look for the man that got order and structure and it's like, they don't want to talk to him. They want to talk to the dude that his whole life is in a disarray. And then they had babies with these men and then later, when it don't work, they're blaming the man. Talking about, man, he this, he this, he that. It's like, you didn't see that all that time you was talking to him? And the flip side, the same thing with the men. We just going out to women with fake bodies. Uh, 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 eyelashes, long nails, fake hair. It's like it's, it's it's like fake is the real today. Where when we came up, real was real, and that's what you was attracted to. So today's generation, man, it's like black family died. We don't have that because we lost our culture. At one time, it was God, education. Those two things in most households are non-existent, James. I'm like non-existent. You you won't hear nothing about God, and you surely don't hear nothing about education. Don't nobody care about school no more. Everybody want to be on the gram. Everybody want to be on the internet. Everybody want to be famous. Everybody likes. Everybody want followers. And it's like, and and that's why the black family dynamic. It's lost. Can it be returned? I don't know because the men first got to get it in order because the men are the leaders. So until we get it right, it's going to just continue to be what it is because women do what they do to attract men. So as long as the men are dysfunctional and ungodly, these are the kind of women that we're going to continue to see and deal with. And these are the mothers of our nation. What did, what, what, what did the minister say? A nation can only rise as high as its women. So how would you describe our women? Mm. Yeah, the twerkers. The walk through the mall with her ass out and she think ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> five babies by five different dudes. Ain't nothing wrong with that. It, it's, it's like at one time we had shame in the black family, like like a young mother that was unwedded with a baby, she was ashamed of that. She 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 was ashamed of that. She wouldn't even walk in public with two babies by two different dudes. She would have never done any. She would have stopped with the first one. Mm. 
But today, and again, because society perpetuates that it's okay, and all these systems and all these forms of government aid, we just keeping the cycle going. We just keeping the cycle going. And that's why I say the black family dynamic, man, we done lost that big guys. Like it's actually scary to see where we gonna be like the next 20 years. Mm. Do you do you think we as men do a good enough job like talking to the other brothers that's like younger than us and coming up behind us? No. Okay. And that and and that that's a two-way dynamic, big guy, because when I mentor and talk to them, it's like it's one thing that they see me, but again, today's society is all about a look. So most people are only gonna live with people that got money. It's like I always say, black people only respect three things, money, power, and titles. That's all we respect. You could be a PhD, just because you got that PhD, everybody just think you this genius. Just because you got power to do something, people just think like, oh, that's the man. Just because you got a lot of money, people just assume like, oh, you know what you're doing. So. That's what we follow. So, so back in the day, the the bus driver, the, the 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 garbage worker, the factory worker, the policeman, the teacher, them used to be the guys that we respected. We don't even acknowledge them now. Mm. They would rather acknowledge a dude that's walking around with a fifty thousand dollar chain with his pants off his head, talking about yo, what's good? They they go listen to what he got to say because that's what. That's what, because we lost our culture, that's what we become attracted to. So we look at them for as idols, for wisdom. We we look for them to them for guidance. And most of these dudes and women don't have guidance, but that's what we become attached to following. And it's not just black people, it's just the Western society as a whole. You know, in the Bible and Revelations, it say Satan would deceive the whole world. And that's where we at right now. We are in those last days. Mm. Man. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we are. <laughs> I wanna this this is what I want to close with because you you whether you know this or not, you've been inspirational. To those who know you, I know for me for a fact, and the reason I can say that is because I I wasn't there from the be like the 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 um, you know the incarceration and all that stuff, but I met you after that, and I know where you started and where you at now. You got a great career, you got a great family, you flourishing. So what I would ask you is, what is the key component? to those that need to make that change? What would you recommend is the biggest thing they need to do to make that change to like, like shift the dynamics of their life? Well, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta form some kind of spiritual connection, whether you meditate, uh, certain literature you read. And then the second thing you gotta do, you gotta change who you surround yourself around. If you surround yourself around a bunch of people that's underachieving, that's all you gonna do. You gonna underachieve because there's nobody motivated to do better. And I always tell people, man, as long as you hang around people that's unmotivated, that's not doing that, 
that don't want nothing. It's like, not only are you not going to do nothing, but they're not going to let you do nothing because everybody's comfortable in that space. So I would tell any man, any woman that first thing you got to do, man, is you got to get that spiritual base to where you kind of connect with yourself. You connect with your soul. It's like all of us, our mind talks to us. You know, they always say that, man, your conscience talking to you is like, it's always talking, but a lot of us don't listen. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we don't listen, we just continue to do the same thing and we expect different results. And then also you have to surround yourself around people that want to achieve the same thing that you want to achieve. You got to be around people that's doing the same thing that you do. Birds of a feather flock together. You'll never see an eagle and a vulture hanging together, will you? No, because a vulture can't soar as high as no eagle. And an eagle don't eat the same shit a vulture eat. A vulture is a bottom feeder. Yeah. The vulture eats the low-hanging fruit. The vulture don't even really work for his food. He just scoop up what's left in the road or left in the street, where the eagle actually goes out and hunts for his food because the eagle soars high. A vulture don't soar high. So you will never see them two birds together, ever. So that's why I always tell people, man, birds of a feather flock together. It's like it's like a guy that works every day and God-fearing is not going to hang around an unemployed, constant drug user. It's like them two don't mix. Yeah. Because either the unemployed drug user has to become a God-fearing working man or the God-fearing working man has to become an unemployed drug user. It's like that's the only way it's going to work. It's, yeah. it's, the, it's the only way it's going to work. So that, that's what I would tell any male or female. It's like, regardless of what mistakes you made in your life, man, you can always change, but you all, but you got to want to do better. And I also prescribe fasting. People think fasting is just not eating or drinking because from the Muslim aspect of fasting and even some Christian and Jewish aspects of fasting, that's the main thing they get you to focus on. But fasting is where you get that spiritual foundation and where you connect with yourself and you work on things that you feel that you can be better in and you take that time doing that to get better in it. All of us can get better. All of us should want to be better, but some of us are so comfortable in the space that we in that we just choose to stay where we at because it's just easier to do. That's like for me, I've been out now going on 20 years, it, it would be harder for me to go out and do something wrong than it is for me to just keep getting up every day, going to work, providing for my family, taking care of my kids. That's easy for me now. But at one time in my life, that seemed like the hardest thing in the world to do. So that would be my message to any, any young man, any older man, any young female, any older female, any female with kids by multiple men is like you can change but you gotta want to put the work in see a lot of us just want everything to drop in our lap and 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 be taken care of i always use the example you gotta treat your life like your credit man all it takes is one thing to mess it up and it takes you a long time to fix it yeah. it's the same thing in life it's like you can't constantly make mistakes and just think it's gonna get fixed overnight that's that's not how it works. So a lot of people don't want to put the work in. It's going to take 
to get better and do better. So that's what I would tell any of them. Man, listen, let me tell you something. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. You know, oh, we wait. talk, we talk all the time offline, but I'm I'm really honored and happy to to get this conversation recorded. And also, I tell you behind closed doors, and I'm gonna tell you in public, man, brother. When I tell you, I'm so proud of you, man, and everything you accomplished, man. Whenever you call me and tell me you did this or you do that, man, I'm I'm happy. I'm smiling because I know what you've been through. So for you to for you to do what you do, man, to work hard as you have, to take to take the situation you was in from being behind those bars to now, man, you setting examples for brothers. You you out here working hard. You you set an example. Like I'm really proud of you, brother, and I'm really happy for you, man. And congratulations because you didn't let that situation ruin you. You let it. It made you stronger, and I truly, truly commend you for that. Hey, man, thank you so much, big homie. And again, man. I give all glory to God, man. You know, like I said, it was a hard journey. It took a lot of work, but it was well worth it. And not that it wasn't no stumbling blocks along the way. You know, when I mentored the dudes transitioning out from jail, I told them, like, man, this is a long grind. Like, you can't do wrong for 10 years and think in six months everything is going to be clear. It's like, <laughs> nah, bro. Like, it might take you 20 years to fix that 10 years you messed up, but you have to be willing to take that journey and stay patient. And that's what a lot of us lose is we lose that patience because we want everything now because we feel like we're missing something or we never had nothing. So, yeah, man, I, I appreciate it, man. And like I say, man, it's not me, man. I get a glory to God, man. I just, I just try to be an example and... Anybody want to talk to me? Anybody, man. You know me, big homie, man. I talk to the homeless people outside. Well, I give you some money, or we're going to talk a couple minutes. Hey, man, how you doing? <laughs> What's going on, man? How, how you feeling today? Like, you, I ain't, you know what I mean? It's like, because everybody got a story. Yep. Yep. Well, little brother, I really, like I said, I appreciate you, man. Man, thank you, man. It's and always an honor. And I know you got even more great things ahead. So I'm excited to see it, man. And I'm looking forward to witnessing it with my own eyes. Yes, sir. Conversation with Lamp, baby. Conversation <laughs> with Lamp. Always. And I want to take this time to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore Lamp. My Facebook is also conversations with Lamp. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.